Hey friends, welcome to Hope Church Online with Hope Church Birmingham. I'm Adam, the lead pastor, and I'm so honored that you would tune in with us for this week's sermon audio. If you've missed any of the last couple weeks, we've been in the middle of a series titled Hope in the Wild, and it has been an incredible time as we've been looking at how Jesus has commissioned the church and commissioned and called every single believer to follow him and to take hope to a people who are broken, to a people who are hurting, and to a people who are lost in the wild. And I believe if we take on that mission as a church and as a people, we are going to see people's lives forever changed. And so I hope you will be encouraged with today's message. And if you are, as always, remember, feel free to share the link, post about it, comment it so that someone else can find a little hope in their day. Well, friends, let's dive into today's message. As many of you know, I am a dad and as every dad comes to at a place in his fatherhood, he becomes someone who learns dad jokes. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to start off today with a little funny story, if you don't mind. One day, there was a man who saw an ad in a newspaper for a hunting dog for sale for $5,000. The ad said, $5,000 hunting dog, well worth it. Well, this man was a hunter, and he said, well, i got to see why this dog is well worth this $5,000. So he goes out to the piece of property, and he's there with the breeder and trainer. And they said, you've got to see what makes this, this dog so special. He said, I'm, I'm excited. Let's see it. Well, they go hunting and they're hunting for some ducks. They shoot the ducks and they get the dog to go fetch the ducks. Well, the dog heads towards the pond and instead of swimming, it walks on water, grabs the ducks and comes back. Clearly, the man goes, I've got to buy this this dog. It is well worth it. It walked on water. So he buys the dog. He goes home. The next day he tells his brother, says, hey, you've got to come hunting with me. I have a dog I just bought, spent $5,000 on it. It was well worth it. You got to see what happens. So the brother says, okay, let's go. Well, they shoot two ducks, send the dog to go fetch the ducks. The dog does the exact same thing, walks on water and comes back. The, The owner of the dog says, well, what do you think? The brother said, so what? You got a dog that can't swim. (laughs) Well, you know, that's a cheesy joke there, but I do think it's funny and does kind of give us a little insight. You ever run into someone like the brother, someone who maybe has a perspective that just can't win? You've got something exciting. You tell them about it and they go, yeah, but did you hear blank? Oh, I got this brand new car. Yeah, I just saw they had a recall. (laughs) It's kind of the, the negative Nancy or the pessimistic Peggy, if you will. But truthfully, uh, we need to hear this. Our perspective impacts our purpose immensely. Clearly, the brother viewed that dog in a perspective that was, well, the dog's not swimming and missed out that the dog was walking on water. Now, we know this is not a true story and the dog did not walk on water. But just to clarify, the last several weeks, we've been discussing how Jesus commissioned the church to take his good news to people who are lost and broken in the wild. And I believe we are called to take hope to the wild. We at Hope Church, we exist. Our vision is simple. We want people to find hope in Jesus and to bring hope to a world in need. We're not just attending church just to eat donuts. We're not listening podcasts just to send each other encouraging uh, Instagram likes or posts or just to sing songs. No, 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 no. We gather as a church to experience Jesus 
and to take them to every single person we can. Last week, we read a passage of scripture in first Peter two, where we learned about Peter, the rock and how he said what, what we were called to do as a people and as a church. And we're going to continue in that passage, but just in verses nine and 10 today, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter, the rock here, says, you are chosen. Some of us need to hear that today. You are chosen. God has chosen you and set you apart and says, I choose you. Then he says, not only do I choose you, you are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? That means you have been anointed royal. The king of all kings, Jesus, God, the creator, has said, you are royal. You have been given the stamp of approval to be his priest, meaning you're able to go and live out and process the purpose of his church. And not only that, you're a holy nation. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what city you're from. It doesn't matter what state you're from. It doesn't matter what you used to believe. All that matters is if you believe Jesus, you're a part of his holy nation, a special people picked to give praise and to bring light to the darkness. And how do we do this? Because we have obtained and we're walking in the mercy that just can't quit. Come on, somebody. And Peter says here, but you are all of these things. He didn't say you might be chosen. You might be a royal priesthood. You might be a holy nation. You might be a special people. You might be picked to praise. You might be walking in mercy. No, 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 no. He said, you are these things. Some of us here that are listening, we may not feel like we are, as Peter described in this passage. Some of us may feel overlooked. Some of us may feel too broke to be royal. Some of us may feel like we can't be a part of a royal nation or a a, a holy nation. We're just living literally in the broken world broken into a million pieces. Some of us may feel there's no way I'm special. I'm just ordinary. Some of us maybe even feel like we're living in the dark and unable to shine any light because we can't even find ourselves out of the dark. But here's the thing, friends. Maybe you're here today and you you can associate with one of those definitions there. But I believe sometimes we're struggling with the definition or description that Peter gives us you are because we've been looking at or looking to the wrong thing. Barna sociological studies did research and found that 61% of American Christians embrace the influence of new spirituality or secular thought. What does that mean? They don't only just say, okay, I know what new spirituality core doctrine is, or, oh, I know what secularism is. No, no, no. It says the study did a questionnaire and found out that 61% of the people polled that said they were Christian in America said that they would go by some of the influence is the thought of new spirituality or secularism. And we wonder, 
Why is the church not the definition that Peter just gave us? Because we're not looking at or looking to the one thing that gives us our true definition. We're not living a life that reflects being chosen or being a royal priesthood because we're looking at a world that says you aren't enough. But Jesus says, friend, you are enough and you are worth it. You are worth my sacrifice. Romans says, even while we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. That's how good our God is. And he says, you are worth it. You are chosen. Don't look at the world because the world will say you're a mistake. The world will say you're broken. The world will try to label you and identify you to the version that it wants you to be. But Jesus says, no, 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 child, you are mine because I gave my life for you. You have been bought with a price. Now come live up to the calling and the definition that I've given you. You may not feel like it, but that's how good I am, Jesus says. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to give you freedom and I'm going to give you purpose and I'm going to give you healing and I'm going to make you whole. But the truth is, I think, I think most of us in the church would say, yeah, I know that thought that Jesus is good. I know that I'm chosen. I know I should look to him. But many times we don't practice it. Friends, we are a product of not simply what we see, but what we focus on. In the church, we've seen the facts. We've seen the scriptures. We've heard the stories. And sometimes I think we hear these things, but we focus on everything else. And as a result, we, we miss the most important thing, which is Jesus. We say, yeah, I know the scriptures, but we're, even as I'm sitting here, you're focusing on what you're going to eat lunch today. Even, even as I'm talking to you, you're focusing on where you're driving to, or you're focusing on the, the bill that you got to pay. Are we in the presence of Jesus and looking elsewhere? Friends, I want to challenge us. We are a product, not of just what we see, but what we focus on. Don't just see the scriptures, but focus on who's in the scriptures and what the scriptures are beckoning us to and calling us to. It's simple. How is it that two people can experience the same thing and come to two different conclusions? (laughs) Don't believe me? Sit at a Thanksgiving table and start talking politics. (laughs) You're going to hear some different perspectives than you may hold. I'm reminded uh, one time we were at Disney World and I was with one of my friends and we were getting ready at Epcot to ride this ride called Mission Space. Well, Mission Space is a fun ride. You're acting like you're landing a ship on a Mars or something like that. And on the ride, they give you like these bags. If you get sick, you know, you may need to vomit in. And I remember we were riding with some strangers and we thought it would be funny if we would act like we were sick, if I acted like I was sick. And as we're there, it hit me right as we were getting into the ride. My friend that was with me gets motion sick. I said, Mark, you get motion sick. He goes, oh goodness, you're right. Well, in that ride, I didn't have to fake sick. My friend was getting ready to throw up in the ride. And there's these two innocent strangers beside us freaking out because they're afraid that he's going to get sick and they're going to be in what I call the splash zone. Well, you see here, I thought it was hilarious because my friend was acting a fool in the moment because he couldn't help it. But in that same moment, the strangers thought, oh gosh, please get us off this ride. Same experience, two different perspectives. The same principle can be applied to people who get the same doctor's diagnosis and hear two different things. One person says, oh God, I've been told this doctor's diagnosis, the sky is falling. But at the same time, someone who can get the same diagnosis can say, wow, this wasn't the news I wanted. But instead of the sky falling, I'm going to look to the one who hung the stars in the sky. And I know that that same God is holding me. You see, friends, that is a product of not just what we see, but what we focus on. One was focused 
on the bad news. One was focused on the one who is beyond my news. You see, it, the poet William Blake eloquently said, we become what we behold. If we want to become the type of person Peter was proclaiming, we must behold the right thing. Peter said, you're chosen, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a special people, you're meant to praise him and bring light to the darkness, you're meant to walk in his abundant mercy, you're meant to do all these things, you're meant to become these things, but before you can become it, we must behold it. I think this can be seen even in Jesus' ministry. In Luke 5 and in other gospels, you'll see this story. You see that Jesus was teaching. And there were several friends who had a, a, a man and a friend who was a paralytic, meaning he was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. And they heard about Jesus. And they just thought, if we could just get our friend in the presence of Jesus, just maybe he could be healed. Or just maybe something can change in his life. And in Luke 5, 18 through 26, we see the imagery give us here in 19 when they could not, said the scripture says, when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. They're tearing apart the ceiling. They're lowering Jesus through. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? In verse 22, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange and amazing things today. You see, in this passage here, there are several people mentioned. We see Jesus, we see a crowd, we see friends, we see a paralytic, and we see Pharisees. But here's the thing. Everyone in that crowd experienced the same thing, but many had different perspectives and different conclusions. Of course, the focal point is Jesus in the story and that he's a healer and he's forgiving and he is powerful. But we also see a paralytic, someone who could not walk. Someone who was bound to the bed. Someone who had to be carried wherever he was going to. Someone who could not live life on his own accord. But because of friends, he experienced Jesus. And he was forgiven and healed. I think that's important for us to hear. (laughs) Some of us want the healing, but don't want the forgiveness. Some of us want the power of Jesus, but don't want the relationship. He was forgiven and then healed. Friends, beholding Jesus brings freedom. Beholding Jesus brings freedom. When when the paralytic observed Jesus, when he experienced Jesus, he found freedom. Jesus said, your faith, I have forgiven you of your sins. In the same room, the Pharisees missed freedom. And as a result, I believe they stayed captive. They weren't beholding Jesus. And because they didn't behold Jesus properly, they were bound because of their perspective. And they were bound to captivity of not walking in the freedom and healing power because they had the incorrect 
perspective. They didn't behold Jesus as the Messiah. They behold Jesus as an heretic. And as a result, they missed out on his goodness. Then we see this, friends. Beholding Jesus brings perspective. I mentioned it earlier. Your perspective can be a prison or a passport. The way you view things can either hold you back or it can take you to places and areas further than you can ever imagine. I mentioned this before. David on the battlefield said, I have a perspective that my God is bigger. He took down Goliath. Daniel in the face of captivity said, my God is bigger. He'll be be with me in the lion's pit. And he was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, my God is bigger. He'll be with me in the fire. And he was. Noah, in the face of a flood, said, my God is bigger. And his family was taken to, to, he, to being protected amongst the flood. Case and case again, over and over again, we see people who behold God and Jesus properly get God moving things in their life. One of my favorite phrases recently is, is we, if we want God to do the impossible, we have to be okay with him get, making us a little uncomfortable. And I can tell you, friends, I know that the paralytic was uncomfortable. And I know he wanted Jesus. I'm sure he thought, oh my gosh, I'm getting lowered through the roof. Am I going to get thrown in prison for this? I can't survive that. But he experiences Jesus. He finds perspective. But not, I mean, he finds freedom. But not only that, he had perspective change. He was no longer a paralytic. He was healed because of Jesus. And there were friends of the paralytic that had the right perspective. They believed that there was something more for their friend. And as a result, he had healing. Beholding and becoming isn't just for you and me. It's for we and thee. We behold Jesus properly. We are able to behold and bring others into his presence so that they can find freedom. That's what this whole series is about. Taking hope to the wild people who need healing. Then when we behold Jesus, we find our purpose. When the man was healed, he got up, was departed, to his, headed back to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God. Friends, once they experienced Jesus properly, they were amazed and glorified God. In a nutshell, that's the life of a Christian. It's being amazed that Jesus would die for us. It's being amazed at what Jesus can do for us. It's being amazed that Jesus loves me in spite of my shortcomings and my failures. And being amazed because of that, I'm going to glorify God with my life, my actions, my words, my perspective. And I'm going to take hope every single place I can because that is my purpose. And that is what Jesus calls us to. When Peter is saying, you are chosen, you are a royal priesthood, you're to do these things, you're going to bring praise, bring light into the dark. That is a definition and a description and really a commission. We are called to live up to this definition, friends, and this purpose. And when we do that, we're making eternal differences. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian, said, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. You could hear every single Hope Church podcast and audio message and listen to it a hundred times a day. But friends, if we don't ever get into action and live up our purpose, we will be missing it. We gotta behold and become who Jesus is beckoning us to. We can't be held back by the world or the definitions the world puts on us. We gotta look at the freedom, the perspective, and the purpose that comes from the one that sets us free. There was an experiment one time where a scientist placed a number of fleas in a glass jar. 
they quickly jumped out of the said jar. He then put the fleas back into the jar and placed a glass lid over the top. The fleas began jumping and hitting the glass lid over and over again, falling back down into the jar. And after a while, the fleas, they were conditioned to the presence of the glass lid. They began jumping just a little bit below the glass so they weren't going to hit it. Well, then after a period of time, the scientist removed the glass lid. And as it was no longer needed to keep the fleas in the jar, the fleas, most would think, would jump out of the jar. But the fleas learned to limit themselves from jumping beyond the height of the lid, even if the lid was removed, because they'd been conditioned to the fact they couldn't escape the jar. Why do I tell you that, friends? I think sometimes we are being limited in living up the definition of who God has defined us and called us to be. We've been limited in taking hope to the wild because the world has told us we can't do the impossible. The world has told us we weren't good enough to be uh, called by Jesus. The world has told us we're just going to continue to fail because our family fails and falls into the same addictions. The world has told us all these things, but Jesus says, no friend, I will give you freedom if you just look to me and find your purpose and find freedom and find healing and find holy. Friends, don't listen to this podcast and turn it off today being limited because we focused on and beheld the wrong thing. Let's look to Jesus and let's become the chosen and royal priesthood so we can be bringing freedom to those in need of healing who are hurting in the wild. Let's find hope and let's bring hope to the wild. God, I thank you for every single person that is tuned in with us today. God, I pray that no matter what they're walking in today, it doesn't matter if they've known your son Jesus for 30 years, three days, or for 10 minutes in this message. God, I pray that they will turn to your son and behold him, and they will look to him, observe him in your word, that they will encounter him, and as they encounter him, they will find freedom, that they will find perspective and purpose. And as they find these things, they will live up to the definition that First Peter calls us to, and that we will be shown that we are a chosen people, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a set-apart and holy people, a special people called to give you praise and glory to a world in need. And God, as we do that, I pray that we will walk in freedom, that we'll begin to have testimonies of your goodness, and we'll be able to give you praises all the days of our life because of the freedom that comes when we behold and become who you've called us to be. God, I thank you for what you're doing today. And if someone's listening today and they're bound by sin or addictions, God, I pray right now that they'll turn to you and say, God, I ask you into my life. I make you the Savior. I make you my guide. God, I thank you for the forgiveness that is going to be found today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining us here in our Hope Church message. I hope you were encouraged by today's message to take hope to the wild. And as you take hope to the wild, know that you can behold Jesus in so many ways and become who he's called us to be. Look to his word today, friends, and find hope. Once again, if this is your first time tuning in with us, make sure you're following us at Hope Church BHM on Instagram or on Facebook, or you say, hey, I want to connect to get a little more information. Visit us at hopechurchbhm.com slash connect. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon.